Hello everyone and welcome to The Lens with me, your host, Harjot Singh. The Lens is a business in the community podcast. It creates open and unscripted conversations between current and future leaders to challenge the way we all think about responsible business and help shape a fairer, better society for everyone. In today's episode, we're going to talk about engaging meaningfully with communities that are otherwise harder to reach. We're joined by two very inspiring and accomplished guests today. Joining us from a studio in Belfast, we have John Healy, OBE, Vice President and Managing Director of Allstate Northern Ireland. John is the Prince's Responsible Business Ambassador in Northern Ireland and Chair Place Leadership Team for Business in the Community. Welcome, John. Harjot, it's great to be here with you today. In the studio with me today is Indy Hothi, Deputy President, Institute of Chartered Accountants of Scotland and co-founder of Upside Projects, a consultancy and venture builder which provides strategic advice on digital transformation, innovation and sustainability to public and private sector clients. Hello, Indy. So glad to have you on the programme. Hi there, Hajjot. An absolute pleasure to be here with you today. Great. Let's kick things off with John first. Tell us all a little bit more about your journey to date and how it might have shaped you and your style of leadership and in particular your passion for working with hard-to-reach communities. Yeah, Harjit, as I look back over my career over the the last 30 years or so, I've enjoyed uh, a significant degree of success and I feel very fortunate uh, for that. Yeah, and you know, whenever I was growing up as a as a child in Northern Ireland through the seventies and eighties, truly a, a child of the troubles, I certainly never imagined that I'd be sitting in the seat that I'm sitting in today. I wasn't necessarily the most bookish uh, of people, but I paid attention in class, and that stood me in in great stead. The career teacher said to me, "Oh, Healy, you're good at maths and physics. You'll do engineering." And you know, I didn't really know what I was going to do, but I said, "Yes, yeah, sure, I'll I'll do engineering." And best kept secret is that uh, on my graduation day, I promised myself I wasn't going to work a single day as an engineer. I'd always loved computers. I was really interested in getting into a career in, in business. And so I went back and I did a master's degree in computer science and then launched myself on my career in technology. And I applied for a, a graduate job at JP Morgan in, in London. And uh, took myself off and, and got started on what has turned out for me to be uh, an incredible journey that's taken me on a global career. You learn that you don't do uh, and deliver anything without the help of others. You have to get that balance in your life to be able to perform on your day job and then also be able to maintain that balance outside of work. But one of the lessons that I learned as I came through in my career was that it's really important that you give back to the communities in which you live and the communities in which your businesses operate. I've joined Allstate in 2016 and very quickly uh, got promoted to be a vice president of that Fortune 100 company. It is such a great company, not just in terms of how it interacts with its customers and the circle of protection that it provides as an insurance company for its customers, but also that protection that it provides for others who are less fortunate in society. And the fantastic partnership uh, that 
we've been able to build with business in the community uh, has just been right at the at the foundation of how we then are able to to give back into the communities that we get so much from in terms of the the support and from where our employees uh, come and and, and are part of our business and and help to build us to the the level of success that, that we have achieved. I was really struck by your views on how being based in Northern Ireland has specifically shaped your understanding of the world and your values. So talk to us a little bit about what would you say is particularly challenging or unique about Northern Ireland in that respect? Allstate Northern Ireland was uh, one of the first foreign direct investors into Northern Ireland after our peace process. That was in 1999 that the the door was opened uh, for Allstate here. Uh, since then, Allstate has been uh, like a, a real beacon in terms of its economic development and the impact uh, that it's had in, in transforming Northern Ireland from uh, a society emerging from conflict to a place today where there is just such a rich tapestry, not just of foreign direct investors who've come in to help with that economic development, but just that landscape of entrepreneurship, that real optimism around what Northern Ireland can be. I see that you're the executive sponsor for the Women in Technology at Allstate and also the Embrace, which is the LGBT network. Those are just two things that you're doing internally in addition to everything else that's happening externally under your leadership. I'm so struck by the fact that this is so personal for you and this is such a part of your worldview. For me, in coming from a, a technology background, as, as, as I do, uh, one of the features of the technology sector is that it is very male-dominated. We're building in uh, technology platforms that are used by everybody, male and female, and it's really important that uh, that, that we, we strive to have uh, our workforce reflect the, the, the communities that that. that that we're actually uh, servicing. Uh, and that's why uh, I am particularly focused on the agenda of women in, in technology. Uh, we need to work harder in terms of attracting more females to come into uh, our sector to, to bring their uh, expertise, their knowledge, their inspiration, their motivation uh, and, and, and innovation to what it is that we're, we're trying to, to build. Something like 26% of, of, of my business is female. That compares to 19% coming through the, through the colleges. So we're making some impact, but there is still a long ways to go. In terms of the work that uh, I do from the Embrace Network uh, at Allstate, which is our LGBTQ plus uh, network, you know, that, that to me is a really important part of, of being a good employer. It's about making everybody at work feel that they are part uh, of the, the, the enterprise, that people are able to bring their full selves uh, to work and not you know, park who they are at the uh, lobby as they come through. Exactly. I think the, 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 the obvious and the most logical strategy to identify future leaders would be by supporting communities that are otherwise overlooked because leaders, uh, potential leaders live everywhere. I'm just interested, Indy, in what you think because you're advising companies that are in other industries and sectors as well. To what degree do these challenges play out in the same way or are they different? And what's your experience been like? 
one thing that really resonated with me when I was hearing, hearing from John speak was around the gender agenda. A report that I read produced by the World Economic Forum estimated that we'd reach gender parity in 100 years, right? So we're talking three generations to reach gender parity in the workplace. And quite frankly, I thought that was a pathetic pace of change. And something needs to be done. And the work that, for example, John's doing in the technology industry is helping to speed that up because I wouldn't want to speak to my children and say, well, you know, there's there's this inequality in the workplace, which sadly isn't going to end anytime soon. And then something that really resonated with me in the humanitarian aid sector and, and, and working in a number of different parts of the world, women have always played a significant role when we're looking at rebuilding and we're looking at economies that are coming back, bouncing back from this kind of conflict. They have a renewed sense of hope, inspiration, are much more innovative and entrepreneurial. And actually women play a huge, huge role um, in facilitating that, um, especially in certain uh, certain countries where you've seen conflict and, and, and there been an impact on the male population. It's really interesting because there's so many differences in sectors uh, and each sector has its own unique challenges. There's no one-size-fits-all approach to tackling some of these social issues. And quite frankly, they're very complex issues. So one common thread is you know, businesses can't tackle these issues in a silo. Right? You've got to work together. So there's got to be collaborative partnerships from the private sector, uh, public sector, and the not-for-profit sector. And that's always been a golden thread for me around what does that collaboration look like and what do those strategic alliances look like to really tackle some of these issues. You've both been connected with and involved with BITC for quite a long time now. And what would you say you've accomplished as a result of your relationship with um, BITC? John, let's start with you. Picking up on some of Indy's comments, you know, around the, the need to collaborate. There, there is no one business, no one leader who is going to be able to make an impact on, on these different agenda items by, by themselves. Uh, and that collaboration is absolutely integral to success. And really, that's where I uh, see the major benefit of an organisation like Business in the Community, because it really is uh, right at the centre uh, of the, the business community here in, in Northern Ireland. And it has the most amazing convening power, bringing together the different stakeholders. And that doesn't matter whether or not it is businesses, but able to dip into the education sector to be able to bring government and government agencies to the table as well. Uh, and that uh, collective power uh, that uh, business in the community is able to command is what makes it a, an attractive vehicle for a for a company like mine to engage in. We think about Northern Ireland and we're always so very proud of our of our education system. We've got the highest level of uh, attainment at, at A-level uh, in the UK. We've got the highest level of participation, third level education uh, in, in the UK here in Northern Ireland. But what we don't do is we don't talk about the other end of the education spectrum, the high levels of uh, illiteracy, the high levels of innumeracy uh, and you know the programs that are run uh, by business in the community like their Time to Read, Time to Count programs are, are just amazing in terms of the impact that they can have uh, with those kids in terms of improving the overall levels of, of literacy and numeracy in our community. But also business in the community is not afraid to shy away from the, the very unattractive and the, the harder to deal with issues. You know, we have got a, a very difficult 
situation in our economy today in terms of the levels of poverty, and that's in particular around food poverty. We see it in fuel poverty. Uh, and emerging through the pandemic, we have seen it exposed greatly around digital poverty, as everybody has, uh, you know, had to pull back from from school or from the workplace. You know that that digital divide has been uh, greatly exposed, and companies like mine able to get in there uh, and deal with uh, some of these harder to surface issues has been you know really enlightening for for us as a company and very rewarding uh, as well you know um, Straban where we have got an office is you know one of the most economically disadvantaged uh, parts of the United Kingdom Uh, and there uh, our employees have got together through business in the community with a social supermarket uh, and that's uh, not around, you know, making collections and providing food. That's an important part of dealing with food poverty. Yes, it is. Uh, but our employees able to work alongside business in the community and the social supermarket around helping prepare people for interviews, providing suitable clothes to potential interviewees so that they can go smartly dressed for interviews, helping people with the, the skills to produce CVs to, to get themselves out of poverty. Somebody told me that the most important thing that we can do as leaders is create other leaders and that has resonated with me throughout my leadership career. And that's not just about creating leaders in, in the business and helping with your succession plans, but it's also about creating leaders in the community. That's what you get with business in the community, real challenges, real problems that actually then you can put your people, put your resources to work on and help to create those leaders so that they then are creating and solving uh, the, 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 the solutions for themselves. Yeah, real challenges that are matched with real resource and real ideas and real real help, really, to, yeah. to tackle all of this. Indy, what about you? What's your experience been like? First off, I really resonate with everything John just said there. I mean, as a person who came from a working class background, I really benefited from a number of programs when I was younger around how to build a CV, how to how to interview skills, etc. So I'm very much a product of some of these initiatives and, and very much an advocate for some of these programs that John's been John's been involved with. Quite early on in my career I was very, very fortunate enough to be to be recognized as the as a role model in the workplace for some of my work that I was doing around um, challenging social mobility as well during my time at, at EY. It was a true springboard for me. Um, similar to, to John, I really wanted to give back and I didn't necessarily have those networks and support, but I was always involved in some of these programs and initiatives to, to support people like myself. Even when I got into the workplace, I still experienced some of those challenges and recognised that those issues are still there around social mobility and cultural capital. While during my time at EY, supporting university students from minority communities and backgrounds, reaching out to those student societies really educating them on the industry as a potential career opportunity and providing coaching around the interview and application process because a lot of people didn't really understand what that process looked like and I felt that there was an opportunity to close that gap. The BITC award that I, that I received there, it was a huge it was a huge amplifier of the work that I was doing. So many of these challenges are just structured 
These are outcomes of structures that exist in society and they've existed because it's the way things have been for centuries. And uh, we're trying to unpick this, unravel this, unpack it and solve it. And it really does need a lot of commitment. You know, this work can be so personal. You have to be invested in it personally. John, what's your advice and strategy on matching up personal and corporate interests? That's such a big question. Really, the the, the strategy uh, for us as as a company and certainly resonate with my philosophy is to get in and to investigate the the harder to deal with issues in society, you know, to try and put the resources that we have, not about trying to entice people who are already on a path that's going to get them into college or university to carry on and do that, but to get into the, the schools and the parts of the community where people aren't thinking uh, about what it is that they need to do in terms of being able to achieve the success that, that I've had, that India have had in terms of building our careers uh, to date. I completely resonate with that. I've always said you've got to focus on issues that are bigger than yourself. And of course, you've got to be personally invested, but there's also that nuance there that you you can't take yourself too seriously when you're tackling some of these issues because there are heavy, heavy topics. And when you're looking at social change, one thing I've always learned from the people around me and my mentors is that it's a marathon, not a sprint. And for me, as a young leader, I think it's always around aligning values. And so you've seen that, especially with Gen Zers now, but even millennials that want to make sure that their values align. And a lot more now than ever before, they're bringing their whole self, their rich tapestry of all their experiences, all their interests, all their passions. And they want to make sure that an employer aligns themselves to that and that their values are aligned. And so that's really, really important when you think about from a corporate perspective, when you're talking about attracting the best talent, when you're talking about retaining the best talent. And so... My, my advice to those individuals that are seeking that is to make sure that an organization really aligns with our values. And for business leaders, it's making sure that they listen. They listen to their staff, they listen to the communities that they serve, and they make sure they revert back to their business purpose. What are they there to really do? And once you get that right, that's when the magic really happens. You start to have people that are so empowered in terms of what they want to do. They're much more productive. I love that point, that because... This generation is saying to us that we are who we are and we're going to show up to work as ourselves and you are responsible to create the conditions for us to flourish and thrive and be the best we can be. And it fills me with hope that the leaders that will come from this world are going to just create that world for future generations to come. So I'm so glad that we're at the point that we are in society and in the corporate world, that we're even having these conversations. So I think the both of you have achieved all of this independently and uh, you've advised stakeholders and employees to do that. You've done like social and humanitarian work from from the most war-torn places in the world to the corporate sector. What facets of your community work are you particularly most proud of? I've had a, a very varied career uh, with lots of different interests and I've always followed those passions and interests as a as a sort of compass and, and way marker for myself, right? And I've always tried to focus on those issues bigger than myself. Travel, education, all these aspects increase your frame of reference and the understanding of the world around you. The humanitarian aid sector and when you go to certain parts of the world and you see the aftermath of natural disasters and civil conflict changes you fundamentally because you see the best and the worst in people. You see you see how people can come back and you, 
from such devastating conditions, going from 2015 being in Iraq during the height of the occupation of ISIS to witnessing the devastating earthquake in Nepal, um, seeing the aftermath of the earthquake in Haiti, uh, witnessing even flooding in, in, in Bosnia to even in the UK. And supporting those people has always been hugely rewarding in the sense that and what's different about the organizations that I've been involved in specifically with, with Carlsa Aid has been the fact that it's about humanity, it's about compassion. I can give an example of the 2015 Nepal earthquake where there was a cluster meeting of, um, of, of many different NGO agencies in the UN and there were thousands of people displaced from their homes in Kathmandu, thousands of people displaced and it was a tragic situation. And one of the provisions that you're looking at alongside housing and shelter and sanitation is also food. And it was agreed amongst a number of NGOs that um, food rations will be provided. There were cold food rations, which were in the form of sort of biscuits and water, etc., which is which is fine, which provides nourishment. However, it's not necessarily part of the, the Nepalese diet cuisine. And we gave the suggestion that actually let's look at providing something that's relevant, that's nutritious and aligned to the, to the, to the diet of the Nepalese people. So we engaged with local local restauranteurs, chefs to put together uh, a, a menu, so to speak, for, for these displaced people to, to have the food that's, that is, that is um, familiar to them, right? And comforting. Comforting to them. And that makes a huge impact. Absolutely. It makes a huge impact on people's well-being, especially during a time where you've nearly lost everything. And you provide that, that, that glimmer of hope that someone's there that to understand and listen to the community's needs. And that's something that I've always been very, very proud of in terms of the organisation, the volunteers and everyone who's involved with, with, with Carlsa Aid and other humanitarian NGOs. Giving another example in Iraq, you know, I'm a turban-wearing Sikh and the Yazidi community that were persecuted by ISIS would say, you know, on one hand, we're running away from people with turbans and beards that are shooting at us, that are enslaving us. And on the other side, we've got these people with turbans and beards that are supporting us, providing us food, giving us shelter. We never thought mm-hmm. we'd meet a community like this before. And so it just gives that, that hope in humanity, right? They're restoring that hope in humanity is what... Exactly. And that's really, really powerful and really, really important. That has a ripple effect for people. Sure. That's really profound and very moving indeed. Um, thank you for sharing that. John, you've accomplished a lot with all state and with your leadership. What would you say, and if you were to pick a couple of things that you've overseen lately, what are you most proud of in terms of uh, community efforts? Yeah, so you're, you're right to when you say about Indies and uh, Nardif there being so profound, so inspirational you know, from a global perspective. Uh, my, my view is uh, much more local in perspective. One of the very uh, kind of important elements is that you know, we have to get out there and, and recognise where, where the problems are. Seeing is believing is the fundamental uh, element within the, the business in the in the community. And I've worked with other leaders to get out and into the into the community because, you know, it, it's not just one leader, one company. It's it's you know, us all coming together that that's really going to make any kind of a, of, of a difference. And, you know, by getting uh, executives out uh, of, of the boardroom, quite literally onto a bus and and then into the community to to some of these projects so that we can actually uh, live into that uh, seeing is believing uh, is something that you know has, has really made a, a, an impact in a local dimension for us here you know getting out into the communities and and 
uh, seeing the poverty that that is there uh, and then coming back into the boardroom and uh, having the hard conversations around what is it uh, that we could do to make a make a difference on it right thank you john indy i'm just wondering everything that you're doing in your current role to you know further community-based interests what are you most currently focused on and what's taking up your time right now the most so i've been a director with Carlsa aid uh, over the last year throughout the pandemic um, supporting the charity in terms of its um, reporting finance transformation governance and its overall humanitarian aid um, activities so that's been an, an ongoing area that i've been focusing on on the other side my work with the institute for chartered accountants for scotland so as a member body of finance professionals and as icas is an educator is a regulator and thought leader um in the finance and accountancy space you know how can CAs act as a force for good and really championing that because if you think about uh, chartered accountants and finance professionals no business can operate without a finance professional no business operates without a finance function and these chartered accountants are in a unique place because they are touching every aspect of the business they're speaking to the board C-suite, operational staff, customers, and they understand the data that's driving the business. For example, we're now in an environment where businesses are looking at their broader purpose and how they can benefit society and community as a whole. And one of those aspects of how to do that is around reporting, for example. So we're now seeing increased um, focus on integrated reporting. We're not just looking at the pounds and pence figure of profitability. We're looking at broader business operations and how they're supporting communities around them. And going down to sort of specifics of sort of climate-related disclosures, which are starting to become mandatory for businesses. And who is going to be picking up that mantle? I'm really, really passionate about the work that ICAS is doing in this space. They are sort of transforming the way they um, teach and educate. To, to me, you know, that, that is the very essence of responsible business. You know, it's about bringing that power of your professional core competency to bear, to make an impact in your community and at the same time make a difference for your employees and your customers building new skills and building building value you know that 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 really just encapsulates for me exactly what responsible business should be all about you're both leaders at very different um junctures in your career and uh you've had different experiences and you're likely to have very different opinions so i'd love for our listeners to kind of uh, get a sense of that so john i want to ask you first what would you say are maybe some of the biggest opportunities for tomorrow's leaders to lead responsible business and drive change uh, as as i think about my business um uh, what what i try and encourage uh, my leaders to, to to do is not just to be thinking uh, about the, the the immediate bottom line uh, to try and take that uh, bigger view uh, around uh, what their contribution can be i don't want um, my business my my leaders within my business uh, to be just thinking about uh, how do I, I drive performance for the the next reporting cycle for the next quarter you know to hit uh, my my the the annual goals. I, I want them to be to be thinking about how they can lead responsibly, how they can develop others within their business uh, by allowing them to to make that that impact uh, outside of their 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 normal day to day. 
I know that those skills that the team members are acquiring by going out and volunteering, that that uh, you know the, the the skills in in leadership, you know, developing their own uh, professional skills as well, and using them in the community, they're going to bring all of that expertise, all of that knowledge back into the into the business. That's what I want to, uh, as I talk to other businesses, to help them to understand that. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's good uh, not to be selfish uh, about your uh, about your resources that you have in your business, that you need to be unselfish with them uh, and that actually in the in the long run, you will get uh, that impact in your business paid over many times. I absolutely love that because you're thinking about the long term there. It's not that short termism that sometimes we've seen from business leaders that are looking at profitability alone. You're looking at empowering your people, giving them that trust and the responsibility and that uh, that does wonders for teams and organisations and businesses. So I really resonate with what John said there. Is that what you think is going to be most different about tomorrow's leaders? Because, you know, you're a young leader yourself and um, you're the future of leadership in so many ways. If I were to ask you, what's the one or two ways you think leaders in future are going to be very different? Are they going to be different from the ones that we've had to date? And if so, what's going to be different about the young ones? I think that we've been operating in an environment with a significant leadership deficit. So in the private sector, public sector and charitable sector, we don't have, in my opinion, the leaders that we should have. And I think a lot of young people recognise that and they're, they're drawn to leaders that are trying to solve issues and problems that are bigger than themselves. And if I think about what future leaders need, they're looking for authentic and empathetic leaders that have certain skills and qualities. Then there's a piece around servant leadership. I just think that we need leaders that are not uh, not operating from a position of ego or self-interest, but are thinking about the communities and the people they serve and are prioritising that rather than themselves. And so that's a really important piece. And then I think the final piece is having that mindset of being an explorer. Right, we're seeing an ever-increasing pace of change in the world around us in terms of technology, the way we're doing things. The last two decades have been absolutely transformational in terms of how society lives. And that's going to keep changing. And so leaders need to have that explorer mindset. And I say that from my time sort of traveling around the world in terms of being open to new ideas, new ways of doing things, new processes, and being open to being challenged. And I think if you have those three elements within your within your mindset, I think that's going to be key to driving future leadership. And I think a lot of young people recognize that and they're, they're navigating that in terms of how do I build those skills? How do I foster that mindset and how do I really work on these issues? I love that because that also makes me think that leaders in future will need the empathy to an even greater extent and the intelligence and the worldliness to understand and appreciate that now what's local is instantly global because issues don't um, happen in silos. Thank you for sharing that. We've had such a strange year. It's been intense. It's been difficult. Just upturned, upended the world in so many ways. And in moments like that, people have moments of critical discovery. It's very normal when we have moments like this, we have like new thoughts that emerge. And my last question to the both of you, what's the most surprising and insightful thing this year has taught you about business and about yourself? 
Unlike many businesses that have suffered uh, during the pandemic, uh, I, my business has, has barely missed a, a beat. I would say that uh, you know the, the thing that has amazed me is just how resilient people are. The fact that way back in, in March of last year, we got that call to say that we were going to start work from home. How we were able to make that transition as seamlessly as we did uh, and to be able to maintain the level of delivery that, that we have. And that is is real leadership that has been delivered through the organisation at, at, at every level. I take every opportunity to thank my workforce when I'm talking with them in, in terms of what they have uh, managed to uh, achieve and uh, really just truly, truly uh, remarkable. You know, as I think about many of uh, my employees, many of whom are, are Gen Zers who are coming through and starting their, their, their career. You know, I, I do uh, want to particularly help them as we re-onboard back into the office. I think that's going to be a very difficult transition. I, I think there's going to be some real challenges uh, for uh, some of our employees who, who have made that transition uh, from being in their bedrooms and finishing off their degrees to being in their bedrooms and starting their careers. And, you know, that that's something that, I, like, that as, as we think about uh, that return to the office and uh, the future uh, workplace that you know, we're putting quite a, a lot of a uh, lot of uh, thinking into as to how to re-onboard uh, people into the into the organisation, uh, and uh, you know the, this topic that we're talking about here today about volunteering, about business in the community, and you know how, how people can have an impact. That's going to be a really important part of that uh, to get people connected uh, into the workplace in a way that over the last year and a half people just have not been connected. I think for myself, um, looking at sort of corporate and business side, I've really seen how businesses can be a force for good throughout the last 12 months in the COVID-19 pandemic. And I'll just give you one example. As a charity that I'm currently working with, partnered with Segro PLC, they provided a number of their warehouse units that were sitting empty for a period of time and provided that free of charge. And so the, the charity were able to coordinate all of our COVID-19 relief efforts to support vulnerable communities with food packs and PPE kits through there. The recent humanitarian oxygen crisis in India were able to use that, that facility to coordinate oxygen concentrators. We then partnered with British Airways and Virgin Atlantic, who wanted to offer their um, airline facilities to air freight those supplies to India. At the same time, we had a number of businesses in the UK, Costco, who were able to provide PPE kits, etc. And those are all businesses that we had not approached. They had approached us to say, we recognise we have spare capacity here, or we recognise we have sectoral expertise here, and we can work together. We've been able to support communities in the UK, vulnerable communities in the UK, and also vulnerable communities in India. And that's and that's the power of strategic alliances and, and collaboration. And, and I hope to continue to see that. And on a personal level, I think the last 12 months has been a period of looking inwards. I started gardening. So realised that I've got a huge passion now for growing vegetables. If someone had said to me uh, 18 months ago, Indy, you're going to be a really, really passionate gardener, I would have laughed at them. Um, but now I've had a huge appreciation for nature and it's given me that element of mindfulness and, and understanding the process of caring. So that's been a nice personal reflection over the last 12 months. My personal learning over uh, over the, the pandemic has uh, been out uh, sea swimming. Uh, I've uh, been out... Uh, three four times a uh, a week in the in the Irish Sea. It's been amazing in terms of uh, you know the the uh, contribution to my own mental health and and well being. 
uh, you know, just that uh, kind of getting out of uh, out of the house and and uh, and reconnecting. It has just been such an important part for me personally getting through this pandemic. I love that, John, because I think there's one piece that that really sticks with me is, is the fact that when we talk about mental well-being and mental health, we as a global society, everyone in this world has gone through this experience together. There's not many times in history that that we can say that. Mm-hmm. I just absolutely love that because so many social barriers have been broken by what we've gone through over the last 12 months. And, you know, it's a terrible situation, but there's always silver linings. Yeah, I really believe that we will carry some of these silver linings into the future. And um, because we all know better. And when you know better, you do better. That's just that's the truth. Um, John, indeed, thank you both so much for joining us on the program. Thanks, George. It's been a pleasure to be, be with you here today. An absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to The Lens. The Lens is a business in the community podcast in partnership with One Young World and McCann. Business in the community is the Prince's Responsible Business Network. If you like what you've heard, then please rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps and makes a difference, so thank you. Also, you can find us, follow us and interact with us on Instagram at The Lens Podcast, on Twitter at BITC, on Facebook, on LinkedIn and in the Business in the Community website. I'm Harjot Singh. Thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye.